Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the Listen In Podcast, the only music podcast by music listeners for music listeners. That's right. We are discussing the top 50 albums of 2017 in today's episode. A very important and special episode for us. We wait all year for this, for list-making season. Jake, the day is finally upon us. It's arrived. Not a day too soon. Mm-hmm. I'm excited, man. This is my favorite episode of the year. Also, episode 101 for us. 101. This is like charted. Uh, we've uh, so much of this year has been built around us climbing the ladder to get to 100. Now that we're past it, I, I, I don't even know what to do. It's I, anticlimactic. I don't know either. It just we're gonna keep on trucking. We're, we're gonna, gonna keep, keep on, on going. going. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit, Jake, before we dove into our list about the whole culture around list making in yep. general. So the more that we do this, and this is our third year of doing it, the more futile making a list actually seems. Because for me personally, my I, I had a pretty set favorite album and second favorite album. After that, my three through 13 spots, those could have been in any order, and it feels silly or bad to rank one above the other when they're all such different records. I enjoyed them all very much in different ways. Um, So list making more and more has just seemed almost like trying to stop the tides from coming in. seems futile. Yeah, well, in ranking art in any way, while it can be useful for people in some ways and while it's certainly interesting, the final exact ranking... I find means less and less to me as time goes on. Yeah. Just because it's like, well, it's interesting what someone says is number one. Right. It's interesting what's in someone's top ten. But if you talk about like the difference between what's your number seven album, what's your number eight album, the difference is like maybe I liked one just a tiny bit better on the day I made the ranking. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's a snapshot in time because if we look back at our 2016 list or 2015, whatever it might be, I feel a lot differently about those records now than I did oh, then, yeah. and I would probably rank those completely differently. So again, it's just a snapshot in time. Even ma- even making my list this time around, having done it now two years in a row, I was looking at certain rankings, and I was like, that's one you're going to look back at and think was wrong. Exactly, yeah, and exactly. I and exactly. I know it, but it's like, it's how I feel now. Ex- yep. And I, I think to some extent, most people feel this way if you're going to rank albums for some sort of year-end list. I mean, I think you'd have to be really pretty self-serious if you were under the impression that this mattered <laughs> in some huge way right. or that it was some final right. sort of like authoritative ranking. Yeah. So Maybe Pitchfork, but... Maybe, but I feel like that's probably made up of staff lists. Oh, right. You, and I feel you, like yeah, you would there's think. probably people there who, who understand you have to take it with a grain of salt. Right. And listeners... We would ask you, in some ways, to take ours with a grain of salt because, again, it's not what we're saying are the best albums of 2017. They're our favorites. Just favorites. And in yeah. some cases, they might be the best albums of 2017, but um, it really is through our lens, and it's just two people on the podcast. Right. We don't, it's not a whole staff of people. So, so. There are pro- like we said with the songs list, there's probably genres, um, artists, uh, subgenres, like whatever you might be into. There's probably things we missed. Yeah, because... I- I would say there's a mix of a lot of genres and artists on here, and it's mostly rock music. Mostly, you know? I would say that that's the predominant chunk of like the Like 70%, the list, With some big exceptions. Right. Um, and you know what is interesting is that if we expanded this list to, like, a top 100, because we listened to like about 150 albums yeah. each this year, yeah. something like that, like... 
around past the 50 mark you'd start i think you start seeing more r&b more rap more of that stuff still not enough to encapsulate what happened in the year but because we're predisposed to liking rock music it's just gonna file, we just, and we just listen to it more. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be the stuff that rises to the top for us because it's, exactly. it's more likely to be our favorite. And we're finding more obscure rock music than we are finding more obscure rap. Like, of course, we're gonna get the Kendrick Lamar's and the Vince Staple records and things like that, but we're not really we're not like doing SoundCloud deep dives on on rap. Like, we're just not that into it. So, right. but uh, we try. One more thing before we get into our scoring methodology and do the countdown, I just wanted to talk about. List season in general. I'm feeling kind of burnt out on reading all of these publications lists, and that that I just have to say is is actually a shock to me it, that you were burnt me too because I usually love that and and I've come to realize it's just not that fun because the rankings don't matter. They right. like I don't care like what is 25 versus 40 on your list like whatever. And the other piece of it too is when you listen to as much music as we do in a year. The lists just become all the same. You're like, oh, yeah, I listened to that. I listened to that. Didn't like it that much. They liked it a little bit more. Okay. Because the most fun part of lists that I've come to realize is finding new stuff you've never heard that's ranked insanely high. And when you've listened to basically all the records that are ranked and you're like, oh, well, they ranked this one in their top 10. I've already listened to that. I know I just didn't like it that much. Like, this isn't fun. Yeah, and then you just think their list is wrong. Right, because I remember back in, like, 2011 or 2012, I would look at the Pitchfork list or, like, the Stereo Gum list or something, and I'd be like, whoa, there's so much good music that I've never heard of before. It's like, well, you also weren't listening to as much during the year, so it was pretty easy to find a record that you really, really like that you missed. So it... Listening to as much music as we do, it's a double-edged sword because you kind of have hit on everything by the time the end of the year rolls around, but the end-of-the-year lists aren't as exciting to look at. I'm with you in that I'm feeling a little bit of burnout with the whole list season concept. And to be honest with you, dude, I haven't checked that many out yet. I haven't had that much interest. What I do like about compiling our list and and what I like about list season in general and this podcast is that it ends up feeling like and looking like, if you look at a spreadsheet like we are, um, like a celebration of the year that was. That's sort of how I view it now, especially in the context of the podcast we're about to do where... I look at the top ten and I'm like, there's like the sort of like the expanded Mount Rushmore of this right. year, right. and like here's the here's this little album sneaking in, and here this one was a, a favorite all year. Right. Of course, it's in there. And look at number eight coming in. Like, who knew yeah. that would be there? Exactly. And, yeah. and I kind of like looking at it like this sort of like collage of what was for Snapshot the year. of the year. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. the coolest thing about it for me now. Not yeah. it, it matters less where things exactly rank. Although it didn't stop me from actually being kind of picky and like spending probably too much time on oh, certain decisions. Of course. The deliberation process for me is sometimes painstaking. Where right. I'm like, <laughs> right. And it, 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 what's frustrating is you like you think it's pretty good and then you see one album in your list and you're like, that's a little too high or that's a little mm. too low. And then you're like, shit, do I have to blow this whole thing up? You could play that game all f- forever. Yeah. It's, it's, and what's crazy is like, and I think we should acknowledge this, if I ranked it again tomorrow, it would be different. It'd be, oh, mine would too. It mine would end would up too. being different. It would, absolutely. But we got what we, what we got. So let's talk a little bit about what our scoring methodology was. And if you listen to our Best Songs of 2017 podcast last week, you know what we did, where basically Jake and I individually ranked our top 50 albums. 
uh, we assigned an inverse score to them. So if we ranked something as number one, it got 50 points. If we ranked it at number two, it got 49, so on and so forth, all the way down to our 50th ranking, which got one point. So then what we did is we combined those two lists and we averaged our two scores. So let's say I ranked... Kendrick Lamar at the sixth spot on my list, it would get 44 points. Let's say Jake ranked it number one, it would get 50, and we would average those two scores for our joint listen-in podcast ranking. So that is what we did for our scoring methodology here. And like Jake said, this is just our opinion. This is not what is actually the best or even the best representation of music it's just what our favorite records were for the year i'm sure there's going to be a lot that you enjoyed that end up on our list and hopefully there's some new things on here uh that you'll like as well just as a quick note for any listeners who have stuck with us since last year's and even 2015's best albums god bless of the, you yeah god bless you if, if you you're have. around for that um but if you listen to either of our last two best of the year podcasts we did a slightly more detailed scoring methodology yeah this year we just sort of ranked it based on feel whereas in past years we've used these categories like relevance and and listenability and all these different categories <laughs> right. and too and, much and scoring them out of 10 and we were like well we don't totally have the time or energy for that right, right. now and also we ranked them by feel this year and just sort of did it. I usually think it came out just fine. I think so, too. Maybe even more accurate. Yeah, it might have been more yeah, accurate. Yeah. So do we want to dive in? Yeah, let's dive in with what we got here. So let's start out, Jake. We actually have a tie at, uh, at number 50. You want to start out? Yeah, I'll take number 50. So uh, coming in at that 50 spot, we have Rostam. Rostam Batmanglage, uh, formerly of Vampire Weekend, with his album Half Light. He tied with Kevin Morby, Sean, who dropped City Music this year. Yeah, uh, so this Rostam album, I don't know what it was. I did not connect with it. I, I could not get it. I like a handful of the songs on there. Never wanted to listen to the whole thing. It's like a little too long. Yeah. It felt like a clearing of the throat for him to be like, I had all these song ideas. I'm just going to kind of throw them out there. If you like them, you like them. But not a whole lot of fanfare around this album. I've seen it on a couple end-of-the-year lists, but... I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't totally get down with it. I could agree with you in some respects. I think what ended up happening was I listened to it just enough and while it was on I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. Like in that way where I just sort of like living with it enough where I kind of like the atmosphere Rossum was sure. going for. With Kevin Morby, I'd say I am similar where I never totally connected with it. I listened a few times. I really like that song Cry Baby. Cry Baby's great. There's a few other good songs One, on there. One, two, three, four is great. My favorite song is is City Music. That's a great jam. That just kind of builds. There's some nice guitar on there. I That's think, a good album. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely Solid. agree with you in that when I listened to it, I liked it. I didn't really stick with it, and I just sort of lost interest, yeah, to be honest with sense. you. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. And there's probably going to be a few in this 50 to 40 range that are kind of like that yeah. for both of us. Uh, 49, like this could be one. Hooray for the riffraff with The Navigator. This was always one for me that whenever I listened to it, I'd be like, oh, wow, this is actually really good. There's some great songs on here. I never totally wanted to listen to it, though, but it did sneak in here at number 49 for me. It was a similar situation for me where when I put it on, I always really loved it. The, that song, uh, something about a ghost. What's it called? Hungry Ghost. Hungry Ghost. Great song. Awesome song. The, the whole thing is really cool. It has this interesting concept. And, but for the reason of, like, I never wanted to listen to it, but when I did, I liked it. I didn't rank it right. in my top 50 because right. I was like, I don't know if that belongs. So I didn't really know what to do right. with that. Um, number 48, Run the Jewels with Run the Jewels 3. Um, 
I thought this kicked off the year with a bang. Sean did not so much. Technically, it came out Christmas Day, right? It did. We are... No, this is an interesting discussion. Yeah. Are we going to post this episode? Are we including stuff for our 2018 list? Or is it more like Christmas week? I think it's Christmas week. Because this came out on Christmas Day. Yeah. Which just yeah. may as well be I 2018. It, right. Yeah. I have no comment on, on Run the Jewels 3. If you've been listening, you know my feelings on RTJ. I think it's actually a really good album. I, li- I re-listened, Sean. I, I figured this would infuriate <laughs> you. I re-listened and actually liked it as much. Fuck. Maybe maybe a little more. You know what? I had a lot of fun listening again. Good. I'm glad I'm, you know, I'm glad you did. I no. no ill will. I just don't really get down with them. Why don't you take number 47, too? <laughs> okay. Um... Uh, Number 47, we have Tenarawen with Elwan. This is a band that is from the Middle East, as far as I understand. I think they're from, like, either Northern Africa or the Middle East. They play, like, this mix of Middle Eastern music and blues music. This came out in the sort of dog days of February when there was not a lot coming out. I think it came out the same weekend as Jessica Hoop. And I gave this a listen sort of on a lark. I was like, I didn't know what to expect. It ended up being something I kind of went back to. I got a few songs on my best of playlist, and those would come up all the time. Right. Dude, there are some riffs on this album. This I, is cool I still need album. to check out those songs you recommended. I did not listen to this at all. I, I have to say, January, February is great for these random ass. Yeah. Like, I would never listen to this if it was September. But it's like, ooh, new year, new music. Let's see what's out there. Dude, and yep. I, I got to say... There's some wild, really cool shit on here. It didn't rank insanely high for me, yep. but I'm glad it makes our list at the end of the day because it's a band that really is doing something different, and hopefully there's someone out there listening yeah. who's never heard of them yeah. because I think most people haven't. Probably not. And we'll check it out. Because cool. there's some really cool stuff. Very good. Number 46, we have Drake with More Life. Now, this is an interesting one, Jake, because when I first got into this record, when it came out back in March, I think it was, I was all in on it. I loved it. It ranked very highly at my mid-year ranking. I think I had it in the top 10. Yeah. Fell way off. I got to say I'm surprised by this. Never really wanted to listen to it again. Uh, I think it ranked somewhere in the 30s for me. Uh, for the year, which is still decent. Um, I'm glad it made our top 50 list because I think it's representative of the year. You did not rank it. I'm not surprised by that. But More Life, um, I'm just happy it's here. I, I actually kind of liked More Life, too. And yeah. I just never again in the year at all ever wanted right. to re-listen. Oh, it's too long. It's too long. I, I re-listened as we were making our rankings here, and I was like, oh, that's just too long. It is too long. Uh, even though I enjoyed it, it just like... I don't know, man. There's something about Drake that just does not fully connect with me on an album basis. I still I know for a fact that I owe Take Care more time. Take Care is amazing. I need to take his, care. His best record. And listen more to that album. Yep. Number 45, Vince Staples with Big Fish Theory. Um, I have this as a candidate, and I don't not to be a spoiler for next week's awards for coolest album title of the year. Oh, yeah. I think this is a really cool album title, and I like the cover. Um, yeah. This was an interesting... Released from Vince Staples, where he actually kind of changed up his sound and is incorporating elements of, I think, like house music and like mm. British. Like, there's some I, some of this album reminds me of Jamie XX. Yeah, like yeah, the way it's, it's good, produced. Yeah. Crabs in a Bucket, great track off of here. Uh, I really enjoyed this. It's a brief uh, release. That's from a big Vince, help for us, which too. we love. Uh, number 44, we have Daughter with Music from Before the Storm. I did not personally listen to this all the way through. I did listen to a couple tracks, which I enjoyed you based did. off of your recommendation. Yeah, yeah. so big shout out to big friend of the pod, Kevin Kelly, who, by the way, on Spotify this year, 
logged 97,000 minutes Unreal. of listening to music. That's awesome. It was mind-boggling. 40,000 more than me. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll get him as a co-host. Yeah, maybe you should, man. Maybe you should. <laughs> um, yeah, this was a really interesting album. I, I had listened to Daughter's previous record. I didn't love that album, but this new one, after Kevin told me a few times to listen to it, I gave it a shot. And a lot of it's just instrumental, which I was all in on yeah. when I first got into it. There's a few songs where the lead singer um, has a vocal performance, but this this album has a really cool sort of dark, almost ambient, um, a little bit post-rock vibe to it. Really interesting mm. if you like that kind of stuff. Um, number 43, Jens Lechman with Life Will See You Now. Um, probably the most optimistic uh, album. <laughs> so earnest on this list. Ernest is is I like, think holy shit. <laughs> Ernest almost doesn't uh, capture it. No, because um, there's like there, for example, there's a song on this album about how to tell your male friend that you love him. <laughs> Like, how do you do that? Because we're so conditioned as men to not say that. How about that one that's about, um, like, finding your purpose in life, basically? Know your mission. Know your mission. I, like, almost couldn't take that song. I love that song. I, I absolutely agree. It's it's probably too corny. I really like the melody and the whole vibe There's of There's some song. great songs on here, though, like What's That Perfume That You Wear, yeah. uh, Wedding in Finestre, or whatever it is. The How We Met the Long Version, that, yep. Um, yep. Hot Wire the Ferris Wheel. Yeah, there's some good stuff there on here. There are pop yeah. jams on yeah, this album. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Jens Lechman is Swedish. I think so. And the songwriting on this is really interesting because it's super, super catchy, but he weaves these... Pretty complicated stories yeah. and concepts <laughs> yeah. into these songs. My my criticism on this and why I didn't rank it when I was re-listening to this for our end of the year re-listening, I was just like, "There's it, this album's too much." Like I like a handful of songs on here, and I'll get down with those as a whole. This is too much. I I, I think that I didn't feel that way so much. I yeah. always kind of enjoyed yeah. listening to this. <laughs> good, good. What this album feels like to me is like the inverse of emo. Where it's like right. hyper, hyper earnest, but Jens Lechman's not a dude who's going to sit at home and mope about it. Right. He's going to go out and live He's going to go and hotwire the Ferris wheel. Yeah, he's yeah. going to like live life and like <laughs> right. party with his friends and be really emotionally like, <laughs> like nuanced and, and earnest. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And like have like meaningful conversations <laughs> with friends. And not and not stress about it. Not no, be anxious not about at all. it. Uh, all right, number 42. This was another one I didn't rank. Laura Marling with Semper Femina. Femina. I think either, either way one. would be fine because I think it's a made-up phrase. Okay. I could be wrong about that. I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, this was an album that also crept in for me early in the year. Some really nice acoustic balladry and interesting songwriting, kind of bluesy elements on this album. Um, I sort of fell in love with the song Wild Once. Where That's a, that was my favorite on this, actually. Yeah, It, it was interesting that it, I remember you telling me it was your favorite. I felt that way, too. It's not even close to Inner Top 5 no, on, it's on not. Spotify. It's not. Wildfire is. Yeah. Also, the song of The Valley on this album I really love. Um, there are, I think, areas where I don't always feel like listening to this album. Sure. But whenever I do, I always end up really enjoying sure. it. Sure. Uh, number 41, uh, we have Mount Erie with A Crow Looked at Me, an album that I think between us, Sean, we listened to maybe five times, four yeah. times. Yeah, well, if you are familiar with the background on this album, it is all about the death of Phil Everman? Phil, Phil Everham. Phil Everham's wife, who died of cancer. This is a devastating emotional listen. I 
cried at one of the songs the first time I heard it, actually. It's one of the most devastatingly sad pieces of art I've ever actually it, like taken in. And it's hard because of that to really judge it in the same way that you would like the new Lord record. So yeah, because I this is one more like I didn't re-listen to it right ever since I listened to it a couple times because I almost like couldn't. It feels yeah. like it almost is a different form of art than a normal right. album. Right, and for that, I feel like we both didn't really know where to put this one. I ended up ranking it at forty on my list. I think you had it a little bit higher at like thirty-six or something like that, thirty-seven. Yeah. Um. So it ended up here at number forty-one. You know this. If you want to talk about just emotional impact of an album, this could easily have been top ten. But if you're taking into account listenability and things every like other that, factor, you know it's hard. So songwriting is really interesting. It's a little bit like talk singy. Yeah. Um, the, it, but one of the most impactful albums of the year, and it just was one where you couldn't really revisit it that many times. Right. But I'm glad it made it. Me too. On the list, because I, I, I am think too. it is one of the most interesting and best albums that came out this year. Me too. At number 40, we have White Reaper with the world's best American bands. This is kind of a classic rock throwback album. Talk about a tonal shift. Big time. From Phil Elverum's heartbreak. Big time. Big time. So this was one, if you remember back to our mid-year rankings, we were both pretty high on. Uh, This fell a lot for me because I didn't really ever want to go back to this, actually. I think it had to do with the the tone and mood and aesthetic that they're going for with this, where it's just so one speed, basically, and it's not always the speed I'm most interested in listening to, that it ended up falling in my rankings. I remember you quibbled with this when I said it on the podcast many moons ago, but I I liken White Reaper in some ways to Jet. I think they're right. they're like they're kind of like that. a yeah. classic rock yeah. throwback band who is they've gotten more critical love than Jet ever yeah, did. Sure they have. But uh but interesting stuff on this album. I actually ended up ranking it pretty high. I think yeah. there's a lot of jams on yeah. here. Some good riffs if you're a riff person. Yeah. Number thirty nine, Hodera with First Things First. We saw these guys a couple weeks ago, and maybe a month, a month ago, ago at this point. At this point yeah. uh, in Milford, New Hampshire. It was a really good show. Yeah. Sean, you ranked this album. Uh, I didn't end up ranking it. Yeah, you did not have it ranked. I did. Um, this, I, I found through that blog, The Alternative. I would not have listened to this if they weren't kind of pumping the tires on this on their Twitter feed. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to check it out. Ends up being a good mix of, I think what we described on the podcast, Jake, about a month ago was... Almost like a pine grovey emo, but with some alt folk or alt country elements to it. A little bit of a twang, a little bit of just like straight up like alternative rock sound. Yeah. It's all kind of wrapped up in there. But this was uh, emotionally resonant for for a lot of different reasons, and I ended up having a nice little run with this. So. I really enjoyed it too. It fell just outside my top fifty, um, but I, I agree, and I, I had um, a good little run with this album. It just didn't quite rank for me. I don't think yeah. it had quite as much of a personal impact on yeah. me as it maybe did for you. Um, is it your turn? Thirty eight. Yeah. We have Milo with "Who Told You to Think." This album is um, from rapper Rory Ferreira. Um, who goes as Milo. Uh, this is, I think, his second or third album I've listened to. Uh, I got pretty into this when it came out. Some of his best songs are on here. Sorcerer is a highlight. I forget, honestly, I think Landscaping is the name of another. The song titles are weird, and this guy has one of the more singular rap styles of anyone I can think of. Has this really like poetic, deliberate way of delivering his um, 
his lines and uh, I, I've, I've really come to like Milo and be interested with the stuff he does. Um, you have any words? For- no, I did not listen to that one. Let's take these next two together, Jake, because I think they're kind of related. Oh, wow. I didn't even notice how that shook oh, yeah. out. That's yeah. really interesting. Number 37, we have Turn Out the Lights by Julian Baker. And number 36, we have Phoebe Bridgers with Stranger in the Alps. And Sean, I think the reason you said they're related is because we saw them play together and that they are aesthetically very similar. They are, and that is why I, I put these together. I I had this uh, Phoebe Bridgers album ranked a little bit higher than Julian Baker. I, I truly did enjoy the Phoebe Bridgers one more. Uh, I would rather listen to that one. Turn Out the Lights, still great. I think what we mentioned when we broke that down on the podcast a few weeks ago was that I just didn't connect with it as much as I did with Sprained Ankle. Um, you know, I, I think it's great. She is on a lot of these end-of-the-year lists, um, ranking highly on them. I just, I, I think Sprained Ankle's a little bit better. I gotta say, man, I this Phoebe Bridgers album, I hadn't listened to it in a long, like, since it came out, or since that first couple weeks. I listened a handful of times then. I was like, I definitely like that. I went back to it the other day. It's really, really good, it actually. Is. yeah. Motion Sickness is, I think, definitely the highlight, but yeah. songs like Georgia, yeah. Georgia really does yeah. it for me, man. That song is really Have good. Have you heard the EP version yes. of that? I like the EP version better, but... But I think she does some interesting stuff with the album version of it, too, that I yeah. appreciate, but I love that EP, that Phoebe, yeah, it's uh, really, Phoebe really Bridges good. EP. Um, we talked a lot about Julian Baker on an episode, so I think we can keep moving on. Yeah. But I, I, I basically agree in some ways. I think I actually like it more than Sprained Ankle personally, but I, I, I don't know that I am as high on Sprained Ankle right. as you ever were. Right. So it's like it kind of, I think, comes out in the wash a right. little bit. Uh, quickly here at number 35, we have my favorite EP of the year. This is the Fire Is Motion, Still I Try EP. This came out only very recently. And again, big shout out to The Alternative. They were high on this, and I checked it out only because of their recommendation. I've listened to it a fuck ton over the past month and love that it ended up making it onto our list here. I want it to be clear that I do like this EP and have listened to it probably five times now. I didn't want to force a ranking on it because it felt too preemptive. I got to it a little after you. It it felt like it would have been a forced thing. Mm -hmm. Number 34, we have Turnover with Good Nature. Kind of a beachy, like real estate sounding album. I tweeted out when this album first came out that Turnover made a better real estate record than real estate did this year. You'll notice real estate is not on our top 50. You, Sean, had this album ranked high. I did. I love this album. This was like a top 20 album for me, basically. Just very, very listenable. Had a good stretch of it throughout the year of consistent listens. And it didn't connect with me on that level. I definitely liked it when it came out, but it, it was not one where I like kept going with it that Like, much. I think I asked you, which of the beachy, kind of dream poppy albums do you like the best that came out this year between Real Estate, Beach Fossils, and Turnover? Mine's easily Turnover. Yeah. I think you said Beach Fossils. Oh, do, yeah, and I, yeah, I ranked Beach Fossils. I really liked that album. And maybe I just yeah. need to give Turnover more yeah, time. But sure. I, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, number 33, I think it's actually your turn. Uh, yeah, Jessica Hoop with Memories Are Now. And we said this last week. It's not Jessica. It's Jessica. Jessica. Uh, a few really, really good songs on here. Memories Are Now is one. Pegasy is one. Simon Says I like. Simon Says, Animal Kingdom Chaotic. I this, love Animal this Kingdom This is, Chaotic. again, one of these albums that you only ever listen to because it's February and nothing big has come out yet. And you're like, oh, this got good reviews on Metacritic. I'm going to check it out. I like the idea that there would be a website called Metacritic, which is what you almost <laughs> said. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, Jessica Hoop is one more. Like, if this came out in May or June, I might have not just straight up not listened to it. I know. I'm glad I did. There's Pegasus was, I think, in my top ten songs of the yeah. year. One of the more beautiful sort of folky songs, uh, I think, that came out this year. At number 32, Future Islands with The Far Field. Here's the thing with this Future Islands record. It's a really good Future Islands record. Yeah. However, we've heard other better Future Island records than The Far Field. There's some great songs on here, Through the Roses, Aladdin. I really like Shadows, and I, I that song has grown on me through the year. I actually, when it came out, I was sort of glib, yeah. I think, on the podcast towards the fact that they had Debbie Harry right. on and that she was like on this throwaway song. I don't feel that way anymore. Hmm. I've listened to that song more now, and I actually really like what she does with the vocal performance on it, and I like that song in general. This album's probably even better than I thought, but still didn't feel like one I could rank that high. I know. Same with me. Um, I, you know, I had it higher than you, actually. Um, oh, yeah. I, I had it probably in the top 30. Um, yeah, it's in the 40s for me. But, yeah, it just... I... I, I I have listened to a lot of other Future Island stuff. They didn't really bring anything that different to the table. I didn't want to keep going back to this. I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, but still, 32 on our list overall. Uh, number 31 here, we have Thunder Dreamer with Capture. This is an album that I listened to based on a big friend of the pod, Ian Cohen. Someone yes. who's kind of, I think, a peer of ours, if, if not maybe has learned a little from us. We are mentors to him. Right, yeah, yeah. more or less. Um uh, this is a an interesting album because for me and Cohen, coming from him, I expected it to be basically a straight up emo album. I don't really think it is. I wouldn't even call it really emo. It kind of reminds me of The Killers meets U2. I always get a James Mercer Shins vocal interesting. from this yeah. big time. Yeah, the guy's voice is like the lead singer in this band has a very vulnerable it's a beautiful singing voice. Um, the song You Know Me was way up on my ranking. Mm-hmm. The bridge I really like. Um, the first track, whose name I'm I'm sort of forgetting right now, is also really good. Um, this album is actually pretty damn consistent and has a cool sound to it that is a, kind of hard to articulate, I think. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Number 30, here we are. <laughs> I think this you, is, you know what it is. Yeah, this is the indication that we've we've arrived. Oh God! <laughs> number thirty, we have "Hang" by Foxygen, um, which came in for me at number fourteen. Needless to say, this did not rank for me. Yeah, because Sean, I think, thinks this is just a bad album. No, I don't think it's bad. I just i I like a couple of the songs, yeah. and then other than that, I'm like, I don't want to listen to this. I don't know, man. It's somewhere along the line in that January time period. 14 on your list of best albums of the year. I think you're thinking about this list too prescriptively, Sean, because you seem to think there's these rules, man. Number 14. I love this album. I love it. And it it went down for me. It was four halfway through the year. (laughs) That's right. I forgot about that. I forgot you had it ranked above, like, fucking, (laughs) like, Big Thief. If I... Well, I don't now. And I... I it might, wasn't out then. Uh, I don't think. It was about to come okay. out. I, I don't appreciate the I know, scoffing I tone. I know, I know, because, I know. Because, well, no, you get to 29. Number 29, we have Japan Droids with Near to the Wild Heart of Life, a great return from one of my favorite rock bands. This might have been on a lot of lists, and if you're going to be more prescriptive <laughs> about how a list should be made, maybe this should be on here. Right. I thought this album was sort of empty. Okay, I didn't fair really, enough. I didn't connect with it ever. Fair enough. Well, to be fair, Jake, you and this... You're right that we've arrived. We're kind of... Things are sizzling now with the rankings. To be fair, you were never all in 
on Celebration Rock, which is one of the best albums of the decade. I also want to make a point here that technically these are tied. I, right, they which are. I, which is actually actually perfect. It's I know it is because we it's it, it, these are synchronistic. <laughs> these are like these albums are 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 the yin and the yang they of, are. of the podcast. They are also they also represent my two favorite pun band names, Foxygen and Japan. True, droids, where true. you take like a word and make it the start of another word, right? With Japan Droids and then Foxygen. I think those are cool. And band we names. both had this ranked at number fourteen. I had Japan yeah. Droids at fourteen. You did not rank them. I did not rank Foxygen. You had them at fourteen. Yeah. Very interesting. I think. And here's what I fear. I'm returning to Foxygen for a second. Okay. Because this is because of I course fear. you are. Right. I damn right. I fear that the perception from the listeners and from you. Is that this is only a contrarian play by me? It feels that way a little bit. I know it's not, but like five percent of it is like, look at me. No, how much I love this Fox Gen album, and I'm gonna die on this hill while no one else is talking about it. I I know that it feels that way. I know you've thought that all year. What what do I stand to gain by doing that? Why would I do that? This like cred of being like I get this Foxygen who, album who and you guys going, don't. Who is going to appreciate me more for liking Foxygen when no one else is talking about this album or cares about it? What what's, what I, do I stand to gain? It doesn't it doesn't need to make sense. You don't need to gain anything from it, Jake. No one out there is going to be you like you and your ooh, your, damn, your twisted machinations are going to reveal themselves soon. So my I twisted I, machinations. I have my eye on you. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Number thirty and twenty nine, hotly contested. Yeah, I I think it's perfect that they came in like that. I, 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 there's yeah. I want the record to show listeners that Sean did compile the final list, and I think it should be I think it should be noted that Japan Droids. Ended up one spot higher despite being tied. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Jake. What do we have at 28? We have number 28. We have Jason Isbell in the 400 unit with their excellent new album, The Nashville Sound, that I ranked, but not nearly high enough. If I had given this more yeah. attention during the year, it would have been higher. I listened again the other day. This album's really, really good. I did not expect to like this album as much as I did. It uh, kind of toes the line between being a country album and being kind of a southern rock uh, alt-country album as well. So Jason Isbell used to be in uh, Drive-By Truckers, has kind of gone off on his own, um, put out this record. Very prescient for the year, I would say. Um, kind of encapsulates a lot of the things that have been going on. Uh, a white man's world is a good example of that. So he does a really good job of, I think, being sort of political, kind of doing some storytelling stuff, some some heartfelt songs as well. Um, I really, really enjoyed this album. I ranked it pretty high. I think I had it at 15. Yeah, man, this guy, he's a hell of a songwriter. Yeah. And, and this is one where I texted you the other day, and I was like, I just wish... It, it's one of those things where sometimes an album just sort of slips through the cracks, mm. and you get mm-hmm. to the end of the year, and you're like, well, shit, mm-hmm. I should have paid more. I should have just spent more time with this. You should have. I tried to tell you, too, Jake. I, I, would, I would text you all the time. I'd be like, hey, shit, man, this Jason Isbell album's really good. Yeah. And, 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 and you were like, I'm going to go listen to Hang instead. Dude, <laughs> Hang is a fucking good <laughs> album. And it's, it's, again... <laughs> here's another... Here's another one for you jake at number 27 we have creeper with eternity in your arms you want to talk about earnest yeah almost over the top albums look no further than creeper dude 
I don't even like I'm at a loss for words. I just <laughs> yeah. I was just looking at them on the spreadsheet and I've almost nothing to say. The Black Rain, Hiding with Boys, um, Suzanne. These are such they're over just, the top, but they're just good rock songs. Great rock songs. It's like Rocky Horror Picture Show meets Green Day meets My Chemical Romance. Yeah, yeah. which are similar bands. Right. I don't know what else it meets. Like ghoulishness. Ghoulishness. In general. General Halloween themes. appreciation. Yeah, and like the concept of this album, I'm still not totally sure of what it is because if you listen to it, you're not going to get any sort of story. But it's supposed to be like this paranormal investigator. He's like a detective of for ghosts or something like that. That's what I understand. Uh, the lettering on the album is like the goosebumps, like dripping blood kind of thing. Wild, wild album. I did not expect it to be as accessible or catchy as it ended up being. You know what ends up happening with this album is it's just like the songs are really good, yeah. the performances are really good. There's some holes, sure, but I have liked this throughout the year. Yeah, and I, there have been songs I've continued to go back to. When did this come out? March. Uh, yeah, around then. I think March or April. It's been in my best songs. No one has talked about this album either. No, No, absolutely nobody. No, this was another one of those early year weirdly high Metacritic ones where I'm like, huh, I'll check it out. Give it, give it a look. What do we got at twenty six? Twenty six. We have Iron and Wine with Beast Epic. Iron and Wine is a folk project from what's his name Sam Hyde Sam Beam Sam Beam Sam yeah. Hyde where did I get that I don't know just another short name yeah. that sounds like yeah. probably a folk singer um, I had never gotten way into Iron and Wine in the past this album sunk its teeth into me I really like a lot of the stuff on this record me too it's a short little listen um, I did not expect a whole lot out of this when I listened because I haven't loved a ton of Iron and Wine but yeah. I was like I'm going to give it a, a listen actually really ended up liking it very very enjoyable we get into our top 25 now, Jake. Uh, at 25, we have Small Circle with Cyclical. This is the second album uh, that Cam Boucher, big friend of the pod, put big out the this pod. year. This is not the last you've heard of Cam on this list. No, no. There's more of this coming. This, again, just kind of uh, more of an indie rock sound than anything, uh, than what he does with Sorority Noise or Old Grey. Yeah. I, I really took to this. It was insanely listenable for me. I ranked it at number like 19 or something. Yeah, very listenable. And this is the project where he alternates vocal duties with, I think her name is Marissa, mm-hmm. um, a female vocalist. Interesting sound that he's messing with. Again, I like how he's got him, he's sort of doing a lot of projects. Yes. And, you know, good songwriter. Yeah, very. Um, and some of the songs on this, or one of them at least, appeared on that Hell is Warm tape. Point Breeze, out. I think it was. But with different words, yeah. completely. Yeah. About, like, does it rain in hell when the devil gets bored? Right. Which is not in the song, uh, as it stands on the Small Circle release. Number 24, Grizzly Bear with Painted Ruins. Uh, Sean, I have never said the band name Grizzly Bear the way I just did it. Well, that's fine. And, Jake, the thing I wanted to bring up about Grizzly Bear was... Of the indie bands who made a comeback this year, and I'm talking The National, Arcade Fire, LCD Sound System, etc., because it was the year of big indie acts returning, Mm -hmm. this Grizzly Bear one ended up being one of the more enjoyable ones. It was just a consistently good Grizzly Bear album. It wasn't their best. It wasn't amazing. But it was still really, really good. It was solid track by track. I Every time I listened, I enjoyed it. And it's it's like what I said, I think, back when this podcast came out was like when I first heard Daniel Rossin's voice on the on the, on the the mic yeah. and Ed Drost coming in with his haunting vocals. I was like, just happy Hell to have yeah. them back. Exactly. I was like, I love these dudes. Exactly. I love the sort of like 
bizarrely complex compositions they bring to the right. table, how they mix like seemingly folk and jazz and all kinds of other shit. Yeah. Um, I, Grizzly Bears just a cool band, and yeah. like they were one. They didn't feel tired to me. No, no, the, they did the, not. With these songs, unlike some of those other ones that I that I mentioned. Yeah, who did not. Uh, who did not make it to our list? Uh, here's one we mentioned earlier, Jake, coming in at number 23. We have Beach Fossils with Somersault. So this was the highest ranking of those dream pop beachy albums. And what I liked about this Beach Fossils one is they didn't just go back to the well completely on just, oh, we're going to go back to that dream pop sound. They integrated some other stuff. They switched up the sound a little bit. Yeah, man. I really liked this album. I was never really like a huge Beach Fossils fan. I'd heard some stuff. I never got way into it because I always just felt like there was a wealth of that dream pop stuff and that it... <clears throat> like it always did something for me, but not quite as much as it does for other people. Yeah. They're writing really nice, concise pop songs on here, psychedelic pop songs. Mm-hmm. Tangerine's a highlight. Um, Sugar is one of my favorite songs of the year. May 1st is really cool. They do some stuff on here with like flutes and yeah. shit. Yep. They're, they're, they're doing cool stuff. They're, they're, they're a good melodic songwriting uh, band. Speaking of Dream Pop, Jake, what do we have at number 22? Number 22, we have um, some of the. Innovators of Dream Pop, yeah. Sean, Slow Dive with their self-titled Slow Dive. And I'm learning now as I look at this on the spreadsheet that their band name is two words. Yeah. I always thought it was one. Interesting. Uh, maybe it is and we just misspelled it. I don't know. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not totally sure. Uh, I loved this album. I think this is actually better than their shoegaze Dream Pop uh Masterwork, Sewell Vlocky, that came out back in the 90s. What's so interesting about Slow Dive is they put this album out this year, not really expecting a huge response to it. Um, and they ended up having a nice little critical reception to this and fan reception as well. I guess they were saying, like, we're shocked at the amount of young people that are coming to our shows and everything like that. I think the Beach Houses of the World, Dive, uh, beach Fossils, Wild Nothing, bands like that kind of primed people our age to get down with Slow Dive. And when they heard this record, they're like, yup, I fuck with that. So the message is, if you're an innovator and you're ahead of your time a little bit, don't be one of these artists who's tortured and not understood yep. and like maybe kills yourself like a Van Gogh or something. Stick around long enough to capitalize. That's right. Decades on. That's right. That's what you got to do. That's, that's right. That's the message here. <laughs> that sounds really cynical. <laughs> yeah. And I want the point to actually be that I really enjoyed this album. Um, number 21. Uh, we have Kamasi Washington with the Harmony of Difference EP. Jazz master Kamasi Washington. He sure is, man. Um, what a cool album this is. It, it, it's an EP, but it's longer than some of you the know, albums on this list. You know what I love about this, Jake, is that it is an EP and that it's not like two and a half hours yeah. like the epic Well, oh, I think the epic was three hours long. <laughs> That's too long for me. It was and long. I've been able to have a nice string of listens to the Harmony of Difference EP. We've talked about this EP a few times. The coolest thing about it is that each song is pretty short. The first four on this album, or whatever, six, they're they're short, and they introduce like a motif, a musical idea that's really interesting, and then it all culminates in that last track, Truth, 13-minute-long mm. uh, track where he kind of intersperses and interweaves all those ideas. Um, Kamasi Washington is doing interesting things, bringing jazz to the people. Sean, I hope it. Yes, I is. hope it works. I hope so too. And Sean, I hope if, so too. If there's actually an album on here where someone was going to criticize us for virtue signaling, <laughs> it would, <laughs> yeah, you it could would be get this, worse. It this. would be this jazzy. <laughs> it would. It would. What do we have at number twenty? Number twenty, we have 
the French press EP by Rolling Blackout's Coastal Fever. Yeah. Nice little jangly indie sort of rock EP that came out earlier this year. Um, and just yeah, doing some interesting stuff with this EP. I, I liked this thing. I am excited for a full-length release from these guys. Um, interesting. We had a couple EPs at 21 and 20. Here's one at 19, Jake. We have Chuck Johnson with Balsams. Now, this is the one ambient record that made an appearance in our top 50. I have gone back to the well with this big time. And, and what I love about this is it's all uh, pedal steel yeah. ambient music, it's which awesome. I love. This is beautiful. Beautiful record. I love ambient music. I also love pedal steel music, Sean. Right. Put them together. You get winning balsam, combination. A winning combination. You get Balsams by Chuck Johnson. I greatly enjoyed this album. Um, and I assume by saying it's the only ambient, you're excluding electronic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At number 18, we have Remo Drive with Greatest Hits. This was one of my favorite pop punk records of the year. Hunting for Sport, Art School, You're Killing Me, I'm My Own Doctor, um, Name Brand. A lot of cool songs on here. Catchy, funny. Yeah. I saw I saw a tweet um, from Remo Drive, I, I'm pretty sure, where they said... Not sure why everyone's calling us emo. We have just as much in common with Weird Al as we do with Rites yeah, of Spring. Seriously. And the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that's kind of true. Very true. They're really funny. It's almost like comedy music in some ways, but it's serious enough where I, I can take it seriously. Yes, 100%. This I said last week on our songs podcast that I was low on this album when it first came out. Bad take. It was a bad, bad take. Jake. And then here we stand with it at 18 overall. That's right. We both liked it kind of a lot. That's right. At number 17, we have Kara Kara with Summer Megalith. This was another one. Big shout to the alternative, Jake. This is a feel-good story. Yeah, it is. Not that they're worried about where they come in on our list. No, but, you know, we got into this a little bit later in the year. Uh, I had a nice little run with it. This, how would you describe this album, Jake? I would actually describe it as like... There's definite emo emo elements. There's some punk elements. It's closer to noise than punk. Yeah. And I honestly compare it to some of these indie bands. Like, I felt a Wolf Parade influence on on this album. Yeah, big time. You know what's interesting about, especially some of these artists that we discovered through the alternative, like Cara Cara, Fire is Motion, Hodera, they're kind of blending a lot of different styles of rock music. They're taking elements from emo or from folk or from just straight up indie rock, and they're kind of putting it all together. I really think this is where some of the most interesting rock music is happening that's not on like a major label, like a War on Drugs or something like that. Here's a weird comparison for you, Sean. Say... There's an analogy between emo music and folk, like folk rock of the last 10 years. Kara Kara is kind of like a grizzly bear of emo. Yeah. Where I feel like they yeah. have this sort of ethereal, can't quite put your finger yep. on it, seems to draw influences from a lot of stuff, has kind of a fuzzy tone. Yeah. It's warm, but also like, I don't know, it has this sort of like technical side yes. in some ways. I think that's fair. Yeah. I, it's a I, great comparison. I, thank you. I like that. I'm proud of it. I just thought of it. It's and good. I'm sure there are many holes to be poked. Probably. Number 16, Ariel Pink with Dedicated to Bobby Jameson. One of the more off-the-wall, kooky, it's crazy. (laughs) Ariel Pink is a true eccentric. Yeah. um, And this album has just some total gems on it. Great pop songs. And it's really good all the way through. 
I would say there's some lulls. There's some places where I'm yeah. not always feeling the it, song, it, but but the strength of so many of the songs carries this album. And you had me. this, I think, ranked 12th or 13th or something like that. I think it ended up 14th. 14th? Okay. I, I had it down around the late 20s for okay. me. Yep. Um, and the reason for that be well, ah. 21, around oh, early 20s. Okay. Sorry about that. I had in the early 20s. And that, Ooh, that was sounds the, like you're mixing up the, your story the, here. <laughs> huh. That was the reason for me. I think there's a, a couple lulls towards like the middle of this album that I'm like, ah, that stopped me from going back as much as I maybe would have. Still a great album, still ranks at number 16. So many enjoyable songs. Bubblegum Dreams, Another Weekend, Feels Like Heaven, Dedicated to Bobby Jameson, Time to Live. Yeah. Time to meet your god if you're in the mood. Sure. For kind of a like really weird song yeah. that mm, kicks off the album. Yeah. And when I first listened to it, it made me think like, ah, this is not gonna be for me. <laughs> it might not be for me. I'm in for something here. Yeah. And then he won me back, which is oh, hard yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, That's it's hard true. To do. It's true. Uh number fifteen here. We're getting really into the nitty-gritty here. Fifteen, we have Kelly Lee Owens with her self-titled record, Kelly Lee Owens. Uh, a nice electronic album. I think we talked a little bit about this last week. Uh, Throwing Lines was the highlight on here for us. Uh, for among me, it might others. Have been Bird was up yeah. there too. Um, this album did work for me this year, man, because I was getting through school. And the, like, there's nothing like ambient and electronic or mostly lyricless music. Yep. For that kind of work, yep. and I just would I would put this album on repeat for those situations. Really enjoyable songs on here. Number fourteen, we have not even happiness from Julie Byrne, another early year entry that started off high on our list and and basically stayed and the course. Honestly, the fact that this has maintained almost a year later being this high is a testament to how good this album is. I just recently re-listened to it and I was like, oh shit. This is so good. It's, it's, it's really, so really good. good. Natural Blue, Follow My Voice, except You could go on and on. I think between the two of us, we had almost every song on this album within one of our best songs of 2017 playlist. We did. I think we did. It was in a lot of them were on mine. My favorite personally is Sleepwalker. Yeah. That's the one that does the most for me, but but so many of these songs do. It's one of these ones where every time I play it, I'm like, I'm not going to like it as much this time. And you just do. And I just do yeah. and maybe more. She's among my most listened to artists this year because of how long this album's just been out. And then also I got into her first album too, uh, which is also very worth checking out. Um, at number 13, Jake, maybe a bit of a surprise at where this is ranking. I think so. And we have, and this is the Menzingers with After the Party. Here's the thing. I love this album. This is getting into the, into the stage of any one of these albums could have just ranked at any spot for me between 3 and 14. Right. The reason why, so I had the Menzingers at, uh, 10 on my list. Or 11, around there. The reason for that, as much as I love Telling Lies, Lookers, um, Midwestern, States. Midwestern States, After the Party, etc. There's a few clunkers on here. There's a couple clunkers that I can't in good conscience say this is better than some of the albums that made it into my top 10. Yeah, and I think some of those inconsistencies showed themselves more pronouncedly, if that is a word I want to go with, um, as the year wore on yeah. and as I took some of these later, more isolated listens where I wasn't in full-on listen-all-the-time right. mode. Right. Um, when I went to re-listen a few weeks ago to consider where it should be for my ranking, definitely, first of all, solidified that it would be very high on the strength of those songs. 
which is I'd say the bulk of the album is at that level. Oh yeah. Um, but there's some like I don't love the bars. No, the bars is is my least favorite. B- uh, Boy Blue. Boy Blue, is, I don't love. You know. It doesn't do a ton for me. Um, but again, this like uh, the song um, "Telling Lies," yeah. Midwestern states lookers. Those are some of like the best rock songs yeah. I've heard in in the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. They're so strong. They and are. again, seeing this band live, they were really, really good. And again, this was one that we were weighing on towards the start of the year. I think maybe if this had come out in like October and we were still riding as high as we were, it probably gets a little bit higher. But War of Attrition, Jake, throughout the year and other things end up leapfrogging it, like what, what we have at number 12. Yeah, and that is uh, Rocket by Sandy Alex G. You know what, though? I expected this one to be a little bit higher, too. I did, too. And here's what happened. I think this is part of that perception. I don't know if you remember, Sean. You probably can't because you were so concerned about Foxygen. But at the time, <laughs> at the time, I had when we did our mid-year ranking, I had Rocket second. That's right. It was number two. That's right. Because I had been listening to it so fucking much that week yeah. and those two weeks. And I, it was like on repeat. And I was like, I love every song on this right. album. This is going to be like perfect, close album of the perfect year. Perfect example of just a snapshot of a time and place. Yep. We're like... Maybe in a few more weeks, this actually ends up being higher. Still came in the top ten for me. Yeah, it came. It was outside the top ten for me. It just had to. There was other stuff I was liking more yeah. at this point in time, and that's why it ends up at number twelve. Still really consistent, and it had Bobby on here, which I think was, was for you, my like third favorite song of the year. Yeah, proud yeah. is a great song, and yeah. I the experience of this album is wild. It is because there's some really great like folky songs on here. Um, but Alex G tries all kinds of oh, shit on yeah. here. And, and so I think that is a positive of the album. I think it can also be a negative sometimes because if you're only in the mood for hearing like those first few really folky songs and then you're getting hit with like some of the other ones that are way opposite, it's like, wait, this isn't what I want in an album. You kind of got to be in the right mood for all of it, and that's why I ended up ranking it a little bit lower. Somewhere along the line, man, those first few listens, I got into such a groove with this album and all the songs. Like, I'm talking about, like, Witch, yeah, yeah. Guilty, um, Powerful Man. Powerful all Man's the, Powerful yeah. Man's really good. But I even like the weird songs on right. here. My least favorite is whatever that one is with the horse where it's like the where he's screaming throughout it. Oh yeah, that sounds like a Death Grip song almost. Kind of. Yeah, and I still even really like that album. Uh, yeah, uh, that yeah, song. Yeah, that song. Me too. Um, yeah. So yeah, are you up or am I up? Uh, I am at number eleven. We have Cloud Nothings with Life Without Sound. Jake, this album is so underrated it this is. year. I've actually seen it rank on a few different lists, which I'm happy about, but. This this came out and then it felt like a week later it disappeared from the face of the earth. No, even when it came out, even that week, no one really talked about it, with the exception of like Ian Cohen. It, it got no big love. surprise. But it got it, even from people who are, would like Cloud Nothing. Right. It got no love. No. Really. it got like decent reviews at best. Um, I like this better than their last album. I do too. Which got a ton of critical. I praise. do too. I like this album more. I think that Dylan Baldy is doing more interesting things on this. Personally, the melodies that dude is able to write, and especially on this album, they're actually not that noticeable right away. This took a lot of listens for me to be like, oh shit, this is awesome. And even songs like um, uh, 
things are right with you, an internal world, and like there are some of these ones where at first I was like, ah, other than modern world, um, yeah, modern world, modern act, modern act, other than modern act and enter entirely, I was like, I don't know, yeah, um, even enter entirely took me a few yeah. listens. Up to the surface is an awesome yeah. song. There's all these cool little. He, he has a very melodic sense, even if the melody isn't always obvious yeah. or a hook. Yes, he's just like the. He has this very keen sense of melody throughout his songs and uh, I just I love that they've dialed back the crunch and the heaviness of that last album just a little bit mm. or just enough to make these sort of like tight sort of poppy yeah. rock songs there's some heavy ones on here like uh, Sight Unseen yeah right gets pretty heavy right. Strange Year I think in some ways um, number 10 number 10 we're into the top 10 so here we are listeners and at number 10 we have the Unihon mixtape by Oso Oso this is the album that could, the little album that could. This came these, out. These two albums are the they, albums they that They really could. are, because this came out actually back in like January. It was a Bandcamp only release, and I remember seeing the Ian Cohens of the world hyping this up. I was like, ooh, I gotta give this a listen. So I gave it one listen on Bandcamp, and I was like, ah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Maybe I'll revisit if it ever ends up on Spotify. And it took months and months for it to end up there, and I kept seeing hype. I was like, all right, I gotta get back on this. It came out in March. I was like, yeah, okay, this is good. Still good. I really like The Walk. I really like Reindeer Games. And then it just kept being one where I was like, you know what? Let me listen to that again. It's a quick listen. It's catchy enough. I'll give it another listen. And as the summer wore on and into the fall, I was like, wait a minute. I fucking love this album. I ended up ranking it at number four on my list. Um, Very, very strong. I love it. It's in our top ten. Uh... I, I with with Oso Oso I had a longer road to getting here, uh, but I'm glad that I had it ranked high enough to end up in the top ten. I think it's really really strong, and the songs you mentioned are among the some of my favorites. The Walk I think is my favorite, and it just took time. It was one of those ones where, sadly, it could have been a Jason Isbell situation for me, where yeah. it was like I it didn't immediately hook me. And it's weird because there's some albums, like with Cloud Nothings, you would have thought I would have been ready to give up on that album. Yeah. Because I didn't immediately love that either. And for some reason kept going with it. And then Oso Oso was one where I tried it once. I was like, ah, I'm not going to think too much about that. Right. And I honestly, I owe it to you for, for listening so much and playing the songs around me yeah. enough where I was like, ah, that song does yeah, fuck. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it does fuck. <laughs> these, uh, these songs are good. <laughs> and uh, ended up listening to it kind of a bunch at the end of the year. Yeah. It's really, really good. It's awesome. It's um, awesome. Your turn, I think. Number nine. Here's another surprise, Jake. The War on Drugs, a deeper understanding, coming in at number nine. I ranked this, I think, 10th on my list or, or 11th or something like that Yeah, lower than I thought I would have at the time and I'll tell you why this one to me this record to me is sort of like Menzingers in a way where it's like there's a few songs on here that are the best of the year. We're like we had Thinking of a Place as our number one song. We had Strangest, Strangest Thing at number three. Pain is in that same Pain's category. Pain's in that category as well. There's a couple others that are probably right up there with it. But as a whole album I found myself not wanting to go back all the time. You know what it is for me, Sean, is the following. It's one track too long. Fair. It's one track too long. I had my re-listen to it the other day after a decent while of just straight up not listening to anything off this. And again, thinking of a place I listened to 50 plus times this year. It was my favorite song of the year. Strangest Thing is up there in that same category. I think they were both in my top three songs of the year. And as a whole, when I'm getting to songs like... 
knocked down in the middle. I'm like, I'm I'm loving this. I'm feeling the sort of the groove of this. There's the last two tracks, while good, while interesting when you're listening to them, given the length of the album and the way that a lot of the songs have this same aesthetic. I'm not saying they all sound the same. That's a pejorative way of saying basically they all have the same aesthetic. I think that any one of these songs taken on their own, even the weakest one, could could hang on its own. It'd be a really good song. As an album, it ends up being like seven to eight minutes too much of this for me. And and this sounds like we don't like this album. That is not the case. I love this album too. We were banging the drum hard on this album back when it was coming out, and we were saying maybe it's album of the year. Yeah. Those expectations, those were tempered a little bit. And I think part of this too, Jake, is we loved those singles so much, and we had them for so long before the album even came out, that we ended up maybe not enjoying it as an album as much, because we had already heard some of the songs so many times. Which is the one, is it in Chains, or is it Nothing to Find? I think it's in Chains that has like the, it's pretty quick and it has the harmonica in it. I I think that's actually hard, Nothing to Find. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. It's nothing to find. I okay. remember now where I was when I listened to it on my okay. last listen. And it's quicker. Like, I, I find these little moments every time I listen to it where I'm like, ooh, I kind of right. forgot about that. And it had been a while with this most recent one. And again, like I said, I, I don't really think there's a bad song on the album. No. There's some lulls from the heights of those amazing songs. And it actually might be unfair to to judge it in that way. But see, it, yeah. But again, what it came down to for me was... After I kind of had my listens to this, I'd listened to those songs so much, the the the, the singles, so many times, that by the time I'd listened to this album 10, 15 times, I was, I was like, like, I'm good. I was like, I get it. Me too. I was like, I, I'm good. Me too. And big time with um, thinking of a place, it felt like a little album in the middle of two right. other albums. Right. Because it's in the middle of this this record, and it's 11 minutes plus. Right. And it feels like this big diversion from the rest of the record and I was like there were some times where as much as I loved Thinking of a Place as much as it was my favorite song of the year I was like I could almost skip this oh, right now oh I would now skip it sometimes just yeah. to like get to the rest oh, I, I so would I do that. would uh, understand yeah, what sure. the rest is going on for sure for sure also a really quick digression on skipping on your Spotify thing yeah how many songs did you skip this it, year it said like only 160 or something like that guess how many I skipped like 4 52 Jesus Christ all year I skipped 52 songs it's weird because it said I was like among the people who skipped the least which that's, I, that's which, pretty low which I agree with but the thing is if I'm ha- if I have a uh, playlist on shuffle I skip through so many to yeah. get to which I don't think they must not count Towards the skips, I think it's when once a song has like really started playing, and then you hit skip. Yeah, there must be some algorithm there. Uh, yeah, because that wouldn't be accurate. Because I just sometimes will like shuffle something and just hit skip just to like see what comes up, basically. But it confirmed what I already knew, which is that, and it called me a ride or die listener. That's what it said for me. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, so you know, kind of a pat on the back for uh, yeah for both of us, C- kind of, especially me. Uh, number eight, that is my turn. Yours, okay. Number eight, big friend of the pod, great guy all around. Cam Boucher of Sorority Noise. Um, It is a Sorority Noise album. You're not as as you think. Um, What a release from these guys. They just keep doing it, man, and like they keep getting better. And this is in a year where Cam released another record that we put in this ranking and that did some really interesting things. 
this is the highlight of the year for them. I completely agree. I think this is one of the strongest emo pop punk releases to come out of that scene. I think this is their best record. I think these are the strongest set of songs that they've put out. I would agree. They play an amazing live show. It really seems like they're becoming one of the flagship bands of that scene, which I'm very proud of them and happy for them. That's about. so exciting. It's amazing. Like you know, what's interesting too now is. I'm, it's to the point now where I'm seeing people. You know that thing people do where I forget what site it's from. It might be Last FM, might be something else where it compiles all these album covers. Yeah, it's like on a black backdrop. Yeah, and it shows all the ones you listen to. I've seen you're not as on some of those lists, and just accepted it. I was right. like, oh yeah, that's another great album that came out this year. Right. And I'm like, dude, that's Cam. Like, right, he's fucking right. doing and it. I, and that's the thing about where this ranks for us. Like, this would have ranked for me at at this spot anyways, no matter what. Even if we didn't know him, because this is just a great record, and it is really cool to see this end up on a lot of other end of the year lists as well. No Halo disappeared. Leave the fan on. Car. The whole thing. It's it's very consistent. So the, consistent. the letters, songs. The first letter to Saint John. Yeah. Second letter from Saint Julian. Um, I even most recent listen I had to this liked that very last track, that acoustic song yeah. that sounds like it was recorded With into a phone. Yeah. I liked that more than I ever had before yep. on this most recent listen. It's really, really consistent. And uh, a great music video for No Halo. Yeah, it really to is. Boot. It really is. Uh, number seven, we have Big Thief with Capacity. This was one, Jake, that we loved throughout the year as well. We both actually ranked this at number seven Ooh, on our list. consistency from us. Yeah, both had 43 points from us here. Uh, what else can we even say about this album besides it's just it's beautiful, great songwriting. We talked about how Mythological Beauty is a highlight on there. That was... Uh, top five song for us on the year. Yeah, yeah, and um, just some like really interesting songwriting on here. Like, I like how they go from something that's a little more straight ahead, like Shark Smile, and they do stuff like uh, what's that song? Um, they're, they're, I can't remember the name. There's one where it's like this finger pick thing. It reminds me of like Bronyurar. Oh yeah, yep. I can't remember the name of that Coma? song. It's not coma. No. It's uh, this all comes down to preparedness. Preparedness. That's just well, what, you know, when we've gone through forty-five-ish albums, you know, yeah. you're gonna forget some. Song some of the names. synapses are starting to misfire <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, but this is this is an amazing, amazing album. I can't recommend enough that people listen to Big Thief. Number six, Fleet Foxes with Crack Up. Um, this is the third full-length album from Fleet Foxes. I just had to kind of pause there because for some reason that sounded wrong. This is only the third full-length album by Fleet Foxes. And they've been a band for a decade. For a long time. Um, The beauty, Sean, of this album cannot be understated. No, and it's interesting because we were both relatively low on this when it first came out, me especially. I think we both had some struggles with it, though. It It took some listens. And what I'm realizing here is a lot of the albums on our that are very high up for us I was low on to begin with, especially some of the ones that are even in our top five. Fleet Foxes was one. Um, that Cloud Nothings one was another one. So, like, this has been yeah. kind of a theme with a lot Oso, of... Oso Oso is one for yeah, me. Yeah, Oso, even with me. So, yeah, this I'm, I'm really happy I came around on this Fleet Foxes record, though. We also saw them live, put on a great live show. That was really cool. Um, uh, there's not much else that needs to be said no, about Fleet we, Foxes. No, because we've broken this down. We've talked about it a lot throughout the year. If you're not down with... If you have never listened to Fleet Foxes before, this probably actually isn't the one to start with. No, it, well, it's not. But also, it's not... I don't think that... Um, Directly equivalent to what they've always sounded like. No, the, the yeah. orchestrations, the the production, and what they're doing with this is, I think, more lush and complex yeah. than what they've done before. Yeah, 
I feel like they've gotten more complicated with each album in terms of how they're orchestrating their music. And what's really interesting about Fleet Foxes is that even though I could put a finger on some traits of their music that yeah. feel like a thread that runs through all their music, I do think there's a, a lot of progression that happens from album to album. Like, I think Helplessness yeah. Blues doesn't sound just like Fleet Foxes. No, you're right. They're self-titled. You're absolutely right. And I think this does not sound just like Helplessness Blues. Yeah, even though they're playing in that same motif or, or same yeah. kind of theme, yeah. folky theme, it, you're right. It is very different. Uh, let's get into our top five here, Jake. Yes. This is one, I had this ranked very high. I had this ranked Third. Third overall. We have The World's a Beautiful Place and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die with Always Foreign. This is one, Jay, I just didn't want to stop listening to this album and I still don't. It's endlessly listenable. There's so many good songs on here. Marine Tigers, Dylan and Her Son. And I remember too. The future. Yeah. When the first couple singles for this came out, I think Dylan and Her Son was one. And I, I forget what the other one was. Might have been The Future. No one talked about these no. singles. And then no one talked about the album either. Like Even Ian Cohen, who's like the biggest world is a beautiful place guy on the internet. Even he didn't talk about this that much. There, what is up with that? I, I, I don't know. Because this album is so listenable. I listened again today. I love this record, man. It's so good. And they are doing really, really interesting stuff. They've dialed back, in my opinion... A couple layers of the sort of progginess yeah. that they brought with their previous Which album. Which I think is to their credit. Yeah, as much as I love Harmlessness, um, this album, you know, you get me in the right mood. I think I would rather listen to this a oh, lot of times. I, I am on record as saying I like Always Foreign more than Harmlessness. Yeah, and like that's sort of like, I think this can be, this is analogous to the Cloud, cloud Nothings thing. Yeah. Where I feel like. Well, Cloud Nothings has done better with mainstream press, but The yeah. World Is is a band that has gotten some really decent attention in the alternative press, not that specific publication, but in the general alternative but, press. Right, right. And I feel like Life Without Sound by Cloud Nothings and this World Is album were both largely ignored. Yeah. And I'm in the situation with Cloud Nothings where if it weren't for their first record, this would be my favorite. And I, The World Is, this might be my favorite right. album by them. Right, Um It... It's Faker is such a listenable song. Um, I love it's escaping me. What's this? For Robin. For Dude, Robin. For yeah. Robin kills me. Me too. The I uh, miss Goma Steve into bars that serve chicken. Yeah. Um, just like the detailed lyrics, and they really brought it with the lyrics on this yeah. album. They I really, love the, really did. the getting drunk on the clock line. Yeah, getting um, drunk on the that's clock. A, yeah, that's a great. And the the line about it feels more human and relatable yeah, than a lot of their does. music has it before, does. doesn't it? Although, I mean, even on Harmlessness, like the, the, they had good stories on there too. The, but it felt more like. An epic reach for something. Right. This feels human. It feels You're very right. personal. You're right. But you listen to something like January 10th or January 12th, right. whatever it is. Right. Diana the Hunter. Right. It's this story about this like murder mystery that captivated people <laughs> right. in the news probably for weeks. It's a different scope. True. That's um, true. And in this one, they're singing about that band member on. Yeah. I think on. I think on Faker. Faker. Yeah. If yeah. Interesting stuff. And I think. They kind of throw that evil line. Or Hilltopper? Hilltopper yeah. sounds right. Yeah. Is the, you know how they say, I hope evil can see this? Yeah. And you get what you deserve? Do you think that is because that band member wrote the lyric about make I, evil afraid of evil I, shadow? I think so. I think so. That's a little, that's kind of next level reference. Yeah. For them. Yeah. 
They like yeah. very self-referential. Yep. And an interesting thing, I don't think I can think of an example of a band referencing themselves in a like almost negative self like right. you know what I mean? Like in yeah, a negative I know. light. I know. Fascinating stuff. Man. Great, great album. What do we have at number four, Jake? Number four, we have Lord with Melodrama. Here's the thing, Jake. I don't think either of us would have said Melodrama would be in our top five at the end of the year if you asked us. We'd be like, yeah, we like Lord. Yeah, yeah, that'll probably be pretty good. I fucking love this album. If I were trying to be bold, as I've been accused of being throughout the duration of this podcast... I would have made this my album of the year. If I were trying to do like a statement over what I really feel, right. this would have been number one for me. I agree with that. And if I were trying to do the same, it would also be mine. I considered this making this like my number two. I did too. And it j- felt just short. And it ultimately just came down to when I was making the rankings, it was a feel thing. Yeah. But this album is so goddamn consistent. Yeah. I'll be honest. I didn't listen to Pure Heroin that much. I loved right. Tennis Courts. I loved Team. Um, Team. I like Royals a lot. Yeah. I can. I was excited for what Lauren was going to bring to the table because I've always generally liked her. I did not expect an album this consistent, this no. good, this thoroughly imagined. No. And this interesting. The thing about this too, and and I want to make a comparison to Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift's album feels inhuman and cold I compared know. to this. Haven't are, are you even going to listen? You, you're not missing much. I think I am going to listen, but don't be surprised if I report back next week in our last episode of the year and just haven't. Okay, fine. I There's a couple know. really good songs on there, but... Have I already heard them? No, I don't think so. Really? No. Because I think The Ready... singles that came out aren't great. I Ready think, For It's fine. I think Ready For It's yeah. really good. Um, anyways, this Lord record, both had production from Jack Antonoff on them. Yeah. Taylor Swift's album feels cold and inhuman. Lord's feels so personal and so life-affirming and just is speaking to experiences that people have when they are around Lord's age that, like, almost everybody can relate to. And Lord is seemingly just a superhuman talent. I think she's a genius. I think she could be because of, given her age and the amount she is able to pull off... I listened to an interview of her on Marin, um, and the way she describes, like, I think she has synesthesia, which is what Jimi Hendrix had. It's yeah. that thing where you like see color as music, <laughs> right? And stuff, so or, crazy. or like you feel music like is emotion, right? Not right. not evokes emotion, literally is emotion. <laughs> it's insane in you, yeah. Um, and yeah, man, it just seems like she's one of these people who has such a natural, immediate knack. Not only. In her case, for writing great songs, she does that. Not only for writing catchy songs, she does that. But for knowing how to make the right creative yeah. choice that will be interesting, yep. that will reward repeat listens. Yes. I, dude, she just has it all go. I, like, I'm really excited for her career Me now. Me too. I am too. What is she fucking six years old? She's like, <laughs> she's like, she's like so 20. young. Yeah, it's I know. crazy. Um, it's crazy. The, uh, also, like, we had a bunch of these songs on our best best songs of the year uh, playlists. I think Greenlight is the worst song on here. It's my least favorite. I will sometimes skip that one starting out a listen, and I just start with Sober. Sober's great. I don't skip Greenlight. I go go up for Greenlight, but I know what you mean. It's my least favorite. Yeah. I I could maybe see that. Yeah. I could maybe see that. Yeah. Um, Do we want to move on? Number three. This is you. We have Kendrick Lamar with Damn. Damn. 
again, what what else can even be said about this album besides it's another Kendrick masterpiece, basically, but in in a completely different way than to Pimp a Butterfly. In like the opposite way, a more listenable way. This is just a sign that Kendrick is a dude who can just do he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. And the argument to be had as a counter argument to this record that I think I've heard some people making is that um, they think it is getting a lot of love just for being a Kendrick album. I disagree with that. I think there's an element of truth to that. There's an element of truth to it, but I disagree with it fundamentally because I think it is that good. I had this as my second favorite album of the year, and I considered moving it down. I considered putting it fifth, maybe fourth, third. It came in second because it, as an album, as an experience... It's amazing to listen to through. It is. It's also amazing to listen to backwards. Backwards, that's correct. Throw it on reverse. Yep. This is also an album that has bangers on it. It has catchy pop songs like Love. It has more thoughtful stuff like Duckworth. It has aggressive stuff like DNA. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the song near the end? Fear. Mm -hmm. It has sort of more of the long-form Kendrick sound. Right. It encapsulates all his sound. And I think we said last week that, that Damn is basically a greatest hits album that's just an album. Yeah. And, and I think the people who are making the argument of, oh, it's just, it's because it's Kendrick, you probably haven't listened to this enough. Because the songs on it are so goddamn good. And, and again, I mentioned with Fleet Foxes that that was one that took me a while. Damn was one that took me a while. Oh, I, remember. I remember we were both kind of disappointed at first. No, 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 no. The experience with Damn was I was all in right away, maybe too much. And I had like this this day long love affair with it when it right, first came out. Yeah, and I knew something was afoot because I didn't get a text. Right, I didn't get anything from right. you about That's Kendrick. That's what it was. Yeah, and I was like, Sean is not feeling this yet. There, there and was, I was, and I made an intentional choice to not, start which the was plot. smart because by the time we ended up talking about it the next week, I was all in on you it. You warmed up a little bit, and that's interesting that that happened to me with so many albums this year, and I don't quite know why. It happened to me with a lot too, and I, th- and with some of them, I just didn't go back. Nothing like right. this good because but- it, it happened with our top two albums as well for me. Um, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. And l- that's that's a good transition. At number two, what do we have, Jake? Number two, we have. I'm pausing for suspense. The National with Sleep Well Beast. Um, what else can you really say about the National? I'll just speak to the fact that I. Was a little bit lower on this when it first started. I was like, oh, yeah. it. I was like, it's really good. I was like, there's a couple songs on here that I think maybe don't need to be there. Yeah. Or like like Empire Line. Um, Empire Line grew on me. And that grew on me immensely. And it ended up being just on par with like Trouble Will Find Me or some of their other releases. And I think history will look back very well on Sleep Well, Beast, Jake. And I think people are going to say, yep, that's right up there with all the other national albums. I still like some of those other ones more. I still like High Violet more. I like Alligator more, Boxer more probably. But this is right up there in terms of consistency. What a catalog this band has put together at this Mm, point. mm -hmm. Like the strength and the run they've been on of an unbroken streak of great albums. Say you, you want to start at Alligator... It, they haven't missed since. No. They've no. had all great albums since, and 
Uh, you know what would be tough? Like it, ranking this list was tough. Ranking national albums oh. is really, really He's hard. Like choosing between children, yeah. it would be, and it would be highly contingent on my mood. And I will say, you know, this is obviously a great record. It's on a lot of end of the year lists. I think we're predisposed to loving the national, and that is why I think it gets a little bit of a bump from us. That's why it ended up at number two on my list, number three on your list. Yeah. I, I, that's true. Yeah, I think we have to own that. The fact that it, I don't think we'll rank that high elsewhere. Probably not. But what is our list except our version exactly. of, of music exactly. for the year? Exactly. And and I think that anyone should should give this album a listen. I think it's it's very worth it. And speaking of uh, yeah, our list, Jake, tell them what number one is, Sean. You know, here's the thing. It's a bit of a surprise, especially <laughs> if you've listened to us in the past. You probably aren't expecting this one. We have Father John Misty with Pure Comedy as our definitive yep. album of the year. We both rank this as our number one album. This is the first year we've both had the same number one album ranking. And it's interesting that we also had the same first song this year. That's with right. Thinking of a Place by Warren That's Thurs. right. We were in lockstep on both. Again, I... I don't want to torture the listeners, Jake, with more accolades and, and kudos for how good this album is. Hold on, Sean. You mean to say that you don't want to torture the listeners with descriptions of the genius of Josh Tillman's commentary on the world, let alone the fact that he combines that seamlessly with melodic, interesting compositions that span an entire album that is well over an hour in length? Uh, and with songs that work on all different levels, you got pop with um, what do you call it there? The second track, what's it called? Total Entertainment. Total Forever. Entertainment Forever. You have sprawling masterpieces like Leaving L.A. and Pure Comedy. You have um, some instrumental stuff on Magic Mountain, mm-hmm. and you have some touching sort of outro stuff with the last track, which I'm forgetting its name now. Oh, me too. So. I can't remember the name of the last track. I can't either. Fuck. That was a good run I had. It was, it was not, you were, yeah, you were pulling from a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Fell apart there. Though. I don't want to, you're right, Jake, I don't want to bore the listeners with how genius and amazing this album is. We've talked about it on like every other episode this year. This should come as no surprise to anybody. All I can say is that if you have listened to this album once or twice and you are like, fuck this, like I can't deal with Father John Misty. Listen more, but also maybe fair enough. <laughs> because, like, you know, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Although, we did win over a convert in Big Friend of the Pod, Josh. That's true. Who... That's true. Through, I think, just trying again and again, eventually broke through with this. Yeah. And had a come to Jesus moment. Come right. to Father John Misty That's moment. Right. Um, this album is rich with detail <laughs> yep. and with beauty, Sean. <laughs> it is. And Jake, you know what? The best... And with humor. It, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Josh Tillman's funny. You know what the best part of all of this, too, is, Jake? We get another Father John Misty album coming in 2018. Uh, we can do this whole cycle again. It's going to be amazing. Odds are, like, it's at least going to be top five. It's It's, like, basically... This is where we become insufferable. Yeah. But this is... It's like the Patriots every year after they win another Super Bowl. I know. Like, let's reload. Like, the odds are they're just going to probably either be there again, <laughs> be right in the discussion again, or just win it again. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. And so, I hope the rest of the list, for any listeners who are not all in on Josh Tillman, because he is a polarizing figure, oh, to yeah. say the least. I for think sure. He has... And I think even there are some people who loved Honey Bear... 
his previous who, album, I Love Who you did Anywhere, not like pure comedy. Could not get down no. with this at all. No. And from what I understand, this new one is a throwback to, to Honey Bear. So. Yeah. I, I might end up liking it more than this. I know. Yeah. It might be easier to listen to than pure comedy. That's the problem with pure comedy. And when I look back in a year's time, I'm probably going to have listened to that Lord album a lot more yeah. than I will have pure comedy. But I'm, I'm so happy we have it, though. I am, too. Dude, remember, I am too. remember when he was on SNL? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now we're just what a couple of fans. What a great year of Josh Tillman. What a good guy. I love that guy. I do too. He's funny. He's cool. <laughs> he's, he's handsome. handsome. Oh, he he's is. handsome. Yeah, he's good looking. Let's round out, Jake, with just a couple interesting discrepancies here. Yeah. So we kind of talked about this already, but the highest ranking Jake album that I did not rank at all on my list was Foxygen, Hang. Yep. The highest ranking Sean album that you did not rank was Japandroids. We had both those ranked at number 14 on our list. It was not planned. No, it wasn't. It just way. ended up that way. But worked out pretty uh, symmetrically, if yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah. And then biggest differences in rank. So one that um, you had ranked very highly was Thunder Dreamer. You had ranked that 20th overall I did not have that ranked until 46th overall, so mm-hmm. a difference of 26 spots there. And then for me, I had Jason Isbell ranked at number 16, and you had that at number 48, so a difference of 32 spots there. So some some discrepancies there. Overall, I like how this list came out. Me too. I'm very happy with I it. I feel like there was a good mix. I want to say that this year there were more albums that one of us liked a lot and the other just didn't really bother with. Yeah. More think, so than maybe any other year. I think that happened more this year than before. I'm weirdly like totally okay with that. Me too, because I think in years past, there's been a tendency to be like, not competitive, but like, oh, I can't miss out on something that like they love. And now we're just like, you know what? I'm going to love Japan Droids. You're going to love Fox Jin. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And right, exactly. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a take. Actually, I do, and it's about forcing takes, which is what a lot of times those listens would be right. for. Exactly. And it's like you kind of rank an album just because you're like, well, it probably should be in there. Right. But I think this year we, we kind of, I think, followed our hearts a little I more. I think so, and I think it made for a more interesting list. I think so, too. So Pretty yeah, eclectic. It is. So we will be back next week with our final episode of 2017, just kind of recapping the year. We have some fun awards to give out, uh, some other conversations to have. So stay tuned for that. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. thing um yeah i was i had mentioned mr robot to you before though but season three has been good so far again you really have to work when you watch that show because it's pretty complex they've kind of laid on the table what the whole concept of the show is and like why stuff is even happening the way that it has happened the last two the last yeah, two seasons, basically. Oh, really? Yeah, like, I finally have an understanding of why, like, who all these characters are and why they're acting the ways that they're acting. Um, it's really interesting, actually. I think I've, I think I discovered what is actually happening before it's happening, because I was, when I was watching it. Oh. And um, had this insight 
into what was going down. And I was like, oh, shit, this is really cool, actually, and I can get behind this idea. Fascinating. Yeah. I, I will see if I prove correct, but... I probably should have persisted with that show. It was one of those things where I watched the first episode of season two. I didn't dislike it by right. any means, but I just, like, fell... Season two was tough. I season just, two was not as watchable as season one. And I just... Maybe I watched two episodes or something, and yeah. I, I like wasn't as, like, sort of compelled... And I think I just sort of, like, went too long between one episode and the next. And that happens to me sometimes with stuff with books a yeah. lot. And with other stuff where I'm just like, well, now I give up. And I'm not going to watch it at all. You know what happened, actually? I remember. We were all very excited. We had just moved into the new house together. We watched it. Everyone then. was in on Mr. Robot. We're like, let's watch this first episode. I remember watching it. It was like... The mix of the volume was, like, too quiet in the show. Watching TV in that room sucks. The AC was on because it was hot as fuck. Because it was, like, July 5th or something. And I, like, couldn't hear the show. And I was, and that's a show where it's not good to not be able to hear things. And then you get Elliot's character talking like this. And, like, just mumbling, <laughs> basically. pretty good, actually. And, like, not being able to hear him. And I couldn't hear in the room. And it was just very frustrating. And I think I missed some stuff. Because yeah. I remember, like, being done with it. I was like, wait, what the fuck? And I was like, I forget who all of these characters are. Yeah. And it was just very confusing. It, it's kind of... Yeah, man. I, I, it's a, I'm, I really hate not being able to hear the TV. Me that, too. It stresses me out me a lot. Me too. It, like, I had the volume... I think that show, something about it's just very quiet. I had the volume on 100 on my TV, and I still, like, couldn't hear it. I also, like... The problem is, if I'm going to watch a show, it's going to be after work most times. Yeah. And... If I watch a show that has quiet dialogue like that, even if I am like really invested mm. and really really interested in it, I will fall asleep. Yeah. And I like yeah. it actually really sucks and I can't stop it. Yeah. Like there's some there's this little feeling like behind my eyes that it gets heavier and heavier as the episode goes on, but I know 25 minutes out that it will happen. Right. It's it's really frustrating because I'm like barely tired yet, but I feel this little twinge of something, and I'm like, "You're not making it through." You're basically my mom who falls asleep on the couch through anything. Well, Sean, I I didn't want to tell you on Mike. <laughs> I'm your mom, but I am your mom. <laughs> but no, it, it's really frustrating, and yeah. it seems like you don't have that problem. I don't. No, I I really don't. If and, something's on that I'm like interested in, I'm gonna watch it. And you you like won't fall asleep? Almost never. Have you ever? Uh, I have to consciously make the decision, like, yeah, just fall asleep right now. It doesn't just happen. Oh, like dude. it seems to just happen with you. I can't, I can't control it and have to fight it. Interesting. Like I'll be, I'll be sitting there and like doing this, like trying to wow. open my eyes, and like I sometimes I just can't fight it. And I'll wake up, like, dude, I was. Uh, I, I think I got home one night kind of late, and I was like, oh, Tim and Eric are on Stephen Colbert tonight. They always do crazy shit on late-night mm-hmm. shows. I never watched late-night shows, right. but I was like, I would like to watch this. So I'm like, I'll pop on Colbert. I put it on. I lay down. I wake up, and it's 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even want to see any of it. Right. I missed right. the entirety of their appearance. Wow. And I was like, well, okay, fuck. Shit. Cause it, and I'd really like to be able to control that more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't happen to me. It does not. It does not. You're lucky, man. Count your blessings. And yeah. you have no problem sleeping either. Right. When I decide it's time for bed, I just go to sleep. You just have it for all. For the most part. Some, there's sometimes where I have difficulty falling asleep, but that's usually if I had caffeine too late in the day 
or if I slept too much the night before, which is like most of the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, it sounds like it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, Mr. Robot's been good so far this season. Um, let me just quickly check something. It looks like your levels are spiking. I just okay. want to make sure you. All right, we're back. Okay, sorry about that, listeners. Wow, not that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, uh, <laughs> like it's this great indignity. <laughs> That I'm doing like this spot check. Wow. Also, spot check is an awesome it's funny. phrase. It's funny. You said it once in some context. Yeah. I don't. It was some hypothetical joke. Right. I don't remember. Right. Spot check. Uh, yeah, Mr. Robot season three has been good. Season two is still good. It just it's it's a challenge. A it's like sophomore slump. It's not as good as season one is still the height of that show. I remember every episode just blowing my mind. I kind of want to go back and watch it, knowing what I know now about the show. Right. Because it kind of will change your perspective of how you watch it. That's interesting. But I'm wondering if it'll still be as good because they purposefully withhold so much and keep you in the dark. Yeah. That, like, I don't even know. You'd really have to put the pieces together on your own while you're watching it. What was the big spoiler of the first season? Um, that Doom was his dad or something? Yeah. Yes. So, spoiler alert. Right. That doesn't really give away that much. No. I mean... It kind of does. Because, eh. like, if you're listening... <laughs> that dude was his dad. That's all the context. That's all you need. And if, you, if you're watching that show right now for some you're reason, like, season one, you're like, oh. <laughs> right. And you definitely know <laughs> right. what I yeah. mean by that. There is another one too, actually. Who's the actor who plays that dude? Rami Malek. No, the the dad. Oh, C- Christian Slater. Oh yeah, yeah. What else is he like in? Um, he was like very famous in the eighties, I think. Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That might not even be right. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't get. It, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't register for me. <laughs> it doesn't mean a damn thing. Anyways, um, let's uh, want to start the show. Start yeah. the episode. So, uh, how do we want to do it? Little intro and then we, start right yeah, with fifty. We'll get through the yeah the couple of these notes that we have here. We can dive into the fifty. We'll do the same thing we did with the songs, where it's like we just kind of go back and forth, and if we have something to say, we say it. If we don't, we can kind of just like zoom on by. And for the discrepancies part, that's after, I assume. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes. I'm good. Okay. Ready. <clears throat> Three, two, one. 